God body is simple. It means you see God when you look in the mirror and that the body of man is God and that there's no mystery God in the sky. You are God. Hey, welcome to another episode of The Anabolic Mind, where we talk about, um, well, we get people from all different walks of life, and we talk about how wellness integrates in their life. And today I have a fantastic guest. She has so many things. I looked her up. I don't even know when to start with the intro, but I'm going to read it. Uh, and a client of mine who goes hard in the gym, by, uh, by the way. So we want to put that first and foremost, right? Yeah. Okay, but she's a visionary entrepreneur, an accountant, a data scientist, a consultant, community organizer, PhD. Oh my God, CEO <laughs> was named Global uh, Woman in Banking and Finance in 2020, Global Community Development Honorary for the Continent of Africa and received the 2021 Madam CJ Walker Global Citizen Award. It is my honor to introduce, and that was just a little bit. We're going to get into the rest of the interview. Wanda Francis. Hey, what's happening? Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on the show. Hey, you're a, definitely an inspiration. Thanks for coming on. Uh, making some time in your busy, busy day. Uh, what time do you start today? Oh, 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're yeah. busy. So I definitely, and, and, and you're on East Coast time. So what time is it now? Yes, I am. Yes. So and, and, with the different time zones, like. And, and it's 5 p.m. right now. Yes. All right. So, yeah, I know you don't have much time, so we're going to get right into it. Um, introduce yourself. Tell people who you are yeah. and what you represent. So, my name is Kwanda Francis. Yeah, I am an accountant, data scientist, um, PhD candidate. Haven't actually earned the PhD yet, so definitely want to clarify that because my okay. kids are like, ah, all over that. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. But, um, yeah, so recently named one of 10 women in the world in business to watch. Um, made history as the first woman, Black woman, to um, establish my own political party and run for mayor of New York City uh, as the nominee, again, of the political party that I established. I ran for New York State Comptroller, also making history as the first Black woman to do that, to seek control of uh, $250 billion in assets and uh, an economy that's arguably uh, responsible for over a trillion dollars in um, economic output. I recently just ran for Congress in New York 10. So yeah, and all three ones was, uh, was done in the last 18 months. So I'm wow. very excited about that because it was new to politics. And a mom. Yes. Yeah, and, and a mom, that's tough. Yes, yes. So, Wow, there's so much. Uh, uh, let's get into your childhood then. So, how did you uh, how did you grow up? What kind of grades did you get in school? Because you're super well, smart. You know what? Interesting. Like, <laughs> I, I got great. I got. I was like really smart in school. Uh, you know, very talkative, very liked uh, athlete. And but what's interesting about like my background is that like at 17, with just sort of everything going for myself, I found myself like pregnant, homeless, uh, and just like a victim of domestic violence. And it was just a very, very dark time. And it was very interesting because again, you know, for me to be such a brilliant student, there weren't a lot of, uh, just weren't a lot of opportunities. It was like, oh, you're pregnant, your life is over. <laughs> so- Where'd you grow up? In Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, okay. so 
Yeah, so I uh, originally grew up in Weeksville, commuted commuted over to Fort Greene, where I went to elementary school, then was in the Gifted and Talented program, and then went to high school in Lower Manhattan, like right next to the World Trade Center, which is what they consider the financial district. Got you, got you. Yeah. And then at 17, it took a turn. And how did you rally from that? Yeah, oh, wow. That's um, books, a lot of soul searching, a lot of eliminating uh, people that were you know, in my life at the time that just uh, weren't really a good influence. The 17 is very easily, I didn't know it at the time, but you know, you're very impressionable. So it's very easy for you know, people to influence you in a negative way. And um, you know, so that's sort of what happened. So in order to get out of that, it was just a series of really deciding that, okay, you know, what life do I want for myself? Do I believe everyone when they say, you know, your life is over, which I did not. I'm like, okay, I, I got a kid next. Okay, what do you do now? So um, the next couple of years was spent, you know, sort of just um, going after my education. I got married and I had another child, um, graduated from NYU. My husband was incredibly uh, supportive throughout this process. And my parents were incredibly supportive of this process, which was very interesting because, um, you know, at, at 17, their expectations of me when I got pregnant was just, it sort of changed. And it was like, oh, wait, wait a minute with them. Not that your life is over, but it's like, you know, you made some very adult decisions. So it was very hard to even have that conversation with them about going through, you know, domestic violence and everything that I was going through, considering that we were living in a housing project at the time uh, in a housing development. And it's very, uh, you know, young men at that time can be very aggressive. So when you have these two parents that are sort of not involved in that, it becomes very, you become scared for them when you talk about sort of speaking out and just talking about uh, what you're going through and right. how, you know, your father would deal with that, you know, deal with this young man that's just out in the streets and doing whatever. So, um, you know, a lot of books, a lot of reading, a lot of isolating myself from the, just the wrong people that um, just didn't fit my future. How was your fitness at that time? Were you, were, you, were you working out or was it a concern or you had too much to be concerned about to be working out? You know what? Uh, early on, I would say fitness was not a priority for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I did. It was I always felt it was important to sort of keep myself together. Right. right. So and that, you know, like getting married so early, it was more about keeping myself together more so than health and fitness, which right, is, right. you know, so maybe you're doing it for someone else, but it's like, Hey, you got to keep yourself together because no one's getting married. No one can keep a man. No one can, you know, you have these girlfriends that are like, Oh, you know, you need to keep it tight. So right, right, um, right. it was important for me to keep myself together. So uh, I didn't need everything. You know, I was always conscious of that always conscious of, you know, how I looked because, you know, that was always a competitive uh, thing that you you look a certain way. People are more likely to help you versus, you know, you let yourself go and it becomes more difficult because now you have people looking at you and just discriminated against you. That's, that's, you look. that's very interesting you bring that up because, you know, there's such a backlash uh, in society now where people are like, that shouldn't be an advantage you know, uh, you should be based off of looks. It shouldn't matter when it comes into social situations. But if you're selling, which I always tell my clients, you know, and you're usually selling yourself before you actually sell your product, you know, it's your first impact or impression. 
you want to make sure you maximize your chances of success. Yes. So if you look yes. at it just from a business aspect, it's something that, you know, everybody should be investing in, whether you're in front of the camera doing a podcast or your job is in the office building every day and, yes. maybe, and maybe nondescript. So it's interesting you say that because a lot of people, there's a there's a resentment. Do you feel any type of resentment as far as the pressure as a woman having to look a certain way? Or is it something you just accepted as if I want to get to this level, this is something I have to do? I mean, I did early on. I mean, not. Yeah, I did early on because it's like, OK, if I'm you're in a situation where uh, you work very hard to keep yourself together mm -hmm. and it's like if everyone around you doesn't need to do that, they are just. And for me, again, it was it was very different because I, um, you know, early on before I got a degree, I had worked for BET. I was working at hedge funds and because I was what they would consider to be well-spoken and sound intelligent and looked a certain way, I was able to get, you know, positions that were what we consider rare facing like executive assistant positions, um, working for very powerful men. So um, it wasn't that I resented it, but I did understand that when I came in there, like the sort of look that I had, I was like, okay, I'm probably going to get this role. And I started to use that to my advantage. But then on the other side of that, of course, you become not so resentful, but people around you that said, okay, bro, you know, you, if you didn't look like this, you wouldn't have got this position. Or I have a degree and you don't. Why did they hire you opposed to hiring me? You know, so it's not the pressure that came along with that as me feeling like I had to always overcompensate and always had to sort of show up in a way that show people that I'm competent. I'm here because I have above average intelligence and so, I just happen to be beautiful. So it worked for and against you. Yeah. Right. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have good relationships with coworkers, right? It was, it was weird, but you know, so I didn't have good relations. Well, we have productive relationships, but right. Not the ones, the meaningful ones that you would have liked to have with, with some of the women. Right. Right. So, you know, that was, do, do you think that contributes to the, uh, the uh, the amount of uh, plastic surgery and procedures people are having nowadays is because they want the social benefits of a, a, a of a look as opposed to uh, not wanting to put the work in. Peace, fam. I want to take a break from today's episode to personally invite you to the Winject community. This is the community where I'm hosting all of my fitness challenges, giving all of my tips, where you can interact with me and my guests. Join the community. It's 100% free to sign up. And uh, we'll see you inside, man. Back to today's episode. Peace and love. I think it depends on your industry. I mean, for me, as someone, like, after I got my degree, to sort like, of... Like, on a corporate level, do you see... Yeah, like, on a corporate level. It's different that? for me because I'm, like, in tech. I'm in accounting. I'm in numbers. An industry that is predominantly driven by men. Mm -hmm. So... Um, to begin with, there aren't a lot of women. And then when you think about the sort of the, the way the women look, you know, it's you're, you're in an industry that is not doesn't have a lot of women to begin with. Right. Right. So um, there's not, you know, plastic surgery. You know, I don't it, you're in, in these industries. I don't know that we see a lot of folks in tech that are 
Interesting. Um, Interesting. You, you know, that are not in good health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's sort of that it, yeah. And finance either. It's just it's just the nature of the men, they're able to sort of just let themselves go, right? Um But you would say the women overall are in better shape in the Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. Interesting. I, I think and it may just have also have something to do with the, you know the income bracket that they're in. You know, so you know they or if they're using uh, fitness to uh, manage their stress levels. But a lot of tech companies, they offer, they have fitness centers. They have all of these wellness benefits. Companies like S&P 500 have wellness days. They have all of these different retreats that sort of have like these benefits of being healthy built in. So it's more like a lifestyle. So when you talk about plastic surgery, that's like downtime. So it's like, you know, that's, that's a different that's a different area. Yeah. I, I get you. So let's 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 take it to the uh, you see a second child, right? How'd your body bounce back after that? And where were you at uh, uh, business wise? God, the second one was like that was very difficult. Um, yeah, it was difficult because a uh, I just had access to more food. I feel like with <laughs> like, like with my oldest daughter, it's just like it, you know I'm running around. I'm 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 pregnant. I left home. It's just you know I was able to bounce back from that. So I don't think I considered that. But then it's like with my second child, it's like I had access to all of this food, so I kept eating, and then my body was totally not the same. And that was very difficult because I was still young. So right. it's like now it's like you have two children and your body is not what it used to be. And where were you at business wise? Um, business wise, it was no no degrees, totally dependent on my partner. So there, that was that pressure on me. Like there are hundreds of you, right, that are young that can push out a kid, you know, with from it being that successful or you know going in this direction. So it's like. There was that pressure, which sort of made me resentful because, you know, you think about everything that you decide not to put in yourself that is um, below the surface. Right. Right. And mm -hmm. you put everything into yourself that's on the surface. Gotcha. And it doesn't really help you become a better you. It's just surface, meaning it's for everyone else. Right. It's not for you. It's not it's not the internal change or lifestyle change. It's just yeah. superficial. Yeah. yeah. Well, well said. Well said. That's interesting. So then what was the turnaround for you? What did you start doing? When was the shift? How old, how old was you? How, 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 how much weight did you gain? How much more comparatively than the first pregnancy? That, oh, like 40 pounds. Big difference. Yeah. It was like 40 pounds. So initially I got rid of the 20 and then that other 20 was just like, yeah, we're... We're here to stay. How long did it take you to bounce all the way back? Uh, only maybe 10 years. It was like a time period when it was like a hard reboot in my life. And it's interesting because that whole change came about. That's when I went back to school. Um, you know, that's when I was living at Virginia at the time. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going back to New York. It was like it's just a hard sort of reboot with everything in my life. So um, at that point, it was like, I can't be who everyone else wants me to be because I'm miserable. 
So I have to be the woman that I want to be, the woman that I always knew I can be. So it was a hard reboot in every aspect of my life, not with just my health and fitness. It was, you know, mentally, it was just, it was like, yeah, I drop everything you're doing just, and, and I was just like, yeah, I moved back to New York, I'm going so, back to college, you know, I'm going to get a degree. It was that sort of hard reboot. So now they call that uh, making wellness-based decisions. Yeah. Right. They call that now, but that wasn't right. That but that wasn't a term uh, no. back then, right? But now they call that making wellness-based decisions and 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 putting you first and and all of this stuff. But when you did that, uh, that wasn't the most uh, socially acceptable move, right? Because people look at it. No. A lot of times, when you invest in yourself, people don't really understand. Like sometimes you have to get yourself together so you can give more yeah. to people. I was selfish. And actually, that was the second one, because in 2002, that was my first one. I went through this sort of three-day retreat, and they were asking some very powerful questions. But at the time, they felt very powerful. Right now, I'm like, okay, these are just questions that everyone should ask themselves. But it was like, okay, if you don't like the situation that you're in, if you don't like your, you know, your life, why aren't you making all of these commitments to everyone else? Make a commitment to yourself to do three things and, and make the commitment to yourself. And you know they're harmful. Make the commitment to yourself to never go back. So at the time, I was in a, a very abusive relationship and I just like cut it loose and never looked back. Mm. I smoked cigarettes. I stopped smoking and never looked back. And then the third one was just a group of, of women I had. One was a very, very uh, close friend that was just, um, I don't want to call her toxic, but after, after having another girlfriend just sort of drive herself into the FDR drive and just die at 21 and feeling like, you know, I just can't deal. Mm -hmm. That was like a turning point. So I was like, you know what, these three things, these three people, you know, like the, the cigarette was a thing. And the other two were people. And um, yeah, and then I just, you know, was gave up everything, including like just everything. Like I didn't didn't date, <laughs> did like for 11 months. It was just like, okay, there's nothing. So it was that time period where I was just, um, you know, just revisiting myself. So that happened in 2002. And in 2002, that's when I met my husband, which was very different from, the other two men that I was with, that was just toxic as, you know, they were very abusive um, physically, emotionally. So it was just a very, so in between that time period, it was like, I needed 11 months to sort of heal because it was like, I didn't grow up seeing my father abuse my mother. So the question became, okay, like what issues that I'm having where I'm just in this situation where I'm just allowing these men to be incredibly abusive to me under the gust of, oh, we're together, we're in a relationship. And it's like, you know, four years. And then it's like, you know, from teenage and then you're, you're done. And then it, I have this small kid now and I meet this other man that's a lot of, you know, a lot older. And it's like the same thing. And I'm just like, okay, this is just not working. So I had to like, um, when they said, like, make that commitment to yourself, I'm like, you know what? I am, I'm strong, I can do this. And yeah, so from that point on, I really literally never looked back. And wow. then again, you know, like 10 years later, it was that <laughs> we were there again where it was like, okay, we need some hard changes. 
because you know these people you are not who they believe you are so it's like are you going to stay here or are you going to move on and the rest is history yeah and i think that's hard for a lot of people and i'm glad you are you articulated that um, so clearly so people can understand you know uh, sometimes you have to make the hard decisions and it's people uh your your crew that stagnate you the people around you you know because they don't want you to get ahead because then you they have to look at themselves and and their, and their own stagnation so a lot of times you have to walk it alone sometimes till you attract those people who are really there for you who are team you you know everybody in your team should be team you everybody you know who you're supporting you know you should be supporting them 100 percent as well people don't really understand that or, or why are you hanging out with the person yeah and i think yeah. and i i've always wanted to see the good in folks and sometimes you have to understand when someone else's damage mm -hmm. and when someone else's hurt they hurt Right. But not necessarily that they don't want good for you, yeah, but the question is, do they want good for themselves? Yeah, yeah. And right. so that's something that one needs to consider. So where are you at now? Let's flash forward to now, like right now. You know, you got up at 4 a.m., you looked in the mirror, you flexed, you hit, you know, you hit a gun show, you hit the chest flex. I did. I'm and focused. It, 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 <laughs> And then, and then you made and then you made wellness based decisions, right? You had a healthy breakfast. You probably hit the gym, right? It was the first thing you did. How to go down? No, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wish I did, but how did it go down? I took a B twelve, got myself together, jumped right. on live, and I mean, well, not a lot, but a Zoom, mm -hmm. and uh, because of the time difference, and just you know, went from there. Peace, fam. Before I end today's episode, I just wanted to answer a question I frequently get asked. Number one question, how can I get my content out there? How can I interact with my audience? And my answer is always with Jack Studios. This is where I'm getting all of my stuff edited. This is where I'm posting all of my challenges. This is where I'm interacting with all of my fans and followers. This is where I'm giving all my fitness tips. This is where all the people, all of you people can interact with the people who I'm interviewing with the podcast. You can get better insight. I suggest you do the same thing. It's 100% free to sign up and I'll see you back inside. Thanks for watching. So what do you think like to the aspiring uh, female entrepreneur? Percentage wise, you know, you're talking about the income, right? Mm -hmm. What percentage do you think they should allocate towards their own personal wellness? At least 10%, right? At least 10% because it pays dividends. You know what? When we talk about overall health and fitness mm -hmm. and stress, right? Um, and look, everyone's programmed to believe that stress is bad. Um, you know, for me, when I'm stressed, for me, it's heightened awareness. So I utilize working out as a way to sort of um, help me look at stress differently. Mm -hmm. So it's positive. And my response to it is positive. But it costs more to be unhealthy. I think so in the long you term. Know, I try it to does. It's time. better to prevent than, than to, but it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, you, you, pay, uh, you pay less preventative than, than, uh, than prescription. Yes, you feel time. better. Yeah, you feel you're better. able to manage your stress and you're, and you're in more, you're in control. And then when we talk about, again, just the incredible amount of just 
before COVID-19, we had all of these different, uh, you know, just uh, health issues in the, in the African-American community that seems like you would think that we all were related when you think about like just how many folks you know that either suffering with uh, diabetes or high cholesterol or any of those things. And it becomes sort of this, this, you get to this point where you decide medication is so expensive. Yeah. When you think about your future self, you have to decide whether or not, you know, like if I take care of myself now, what are the benefits to that later on in life? Or again, when we just talk about the sheer benefits of uh, endorphins, right? Listen, working out is the most most underutilized antidepressant on the planet, right? And, and yeah. most people don't know that. And so people are walking around and they're incredibly stressed and, and it's affecting their health outcomes. It's affecting the overall productivity. Yeah, it, it definitely impacts your productivity and not even long-term. You know, it, it affects your decision-making, being nutrient deficient, your mind is not sharp. So when you're in meetings, you're not really able to access the information that you know you have because mm -hmm. your blood sugar is dropping because you're not making sure that your sugar and your food is regulated before you go into meetings and you're not scheduling eating during your day. So you're peaking and diving as opposed to steadily arguing up all day long. So a lot of different, it's not even the long-term benefits, it's the immediate benefits of self-confidence and feeling of accomplishment that you take from the gym to your workplace. Mm -hmm. That's where it transcends, you know, that's where you're able to use it, you know? So, and I think, yeah. yeah. And I think that it's important for people to know that, but I don't think they look at, like even when I just talked about it and I just heard you mention it, it's like, yeah, there are, there are short-term benefits to it. When you concentrate on the long-term, you think about everyone in this sort of Google phase where everything needs to happen like this. But if we start talking about health and, and wellness as in like the immediate benefits, think about how you feel right after a workout. Right, exactly. It took me some time to figure that out. So, and I noticed the differences and, and I tried to overcompensate when you were like, oh, don't, you know, don't, don't overdo it. I'm like, okay, but I feel different. I feel different when I work out with you versus when I don't, when I work out alone. So is it, you know, is it, is it my intensity level? Cause I want that, but it was the immediate gratification that I was receiving from those workouts that I didn't initiate initially feel like I was receiving when I was working out on my own. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. So keen observation there. Yeah. Yeah, so what's your workout regime looking like now? Sometimes we do it online. Uh, sometimes we do it in person because I'm in, yeah. in New York. What, what are you What are you doing right now? Yeah, so um, I'll look at like um, one of our videos and I'll just repeat every exercise for upper body. Right, right. <laughs> I repeat every exercise. Well, it's only, I only have two, so it's like... And how, many, how, many times, how many times are you training per week? Uh, about three. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. training and then two days out of the week it's sort of just moderate exercise when I'll go with my I'm out with my son and play him in a you know game of basketball so yeah. not necessarily training but trying to get some cardio in just be mindful of you know moving and and making sure that I have some physical activity so I hate that having that minimum noun of 150 minutes of uh, physical activity um, uh, a week. Oh, very good. And how's your diet? 
my diet is can be better, right? But look, Rome wasn't built overnight. Right? Right. <laughs> so yeah. You're doing great though. You're doing pretty good though, I must say. Yeah, it, it's that difficult because you know, like I don't cook. Mm -hmm. So uh because of that, it's it becomes very um it, it must be easier. Because you don't have a lot of junk in the house then. I do have junk in the house. But I have I have a good junk, like snacks, like, right, like right. you know, and stuff like that. But like quick meals are, are going to do me in. Like we mm -hmm. I'm I'm too I don't want to say I'm too old, but we the, the, the burgers two and three times a week is you know you, you can't yeah. Because you know, yeah. I feel sluggish, so I know when I have to like I'm looking for that B12 in the morning to get me going. Mm -hmm. Or I, I know that that's because I'm like okay, lay off the beef, right. <laughs> you know. So, so, like, so you, you're doing it more instinctual. Yes. Yeah. Got you. Got you. And uh, and, and uh, before we close it out, what can you give uh, to the uh, the female entrepreneurs out there? Um, again, investing in their health and how that's going to correlate into them making more dollars short term and long term. Um, first, prioritize yourself, right? Like, <laughs> just prioritize you, and that means every part of you: your mental health, you know, your your your, your physical health, you know. Take stock of who was around you. Make sure you have a good support system. You know, listen to the voice within, but don't be your own naysayer. You know, be your biggest cheerleader. Uh, you know, if you, if whatever you're feeling, whether it's fear, whether it's stress, you know, don't look at it as something negative because stress is a heightened awareness that it's letting you know that, okay, something is not right. And you can utilize that as a way to get better. Right. To, to to stop and take assessment of what's going on that's causing that stress, because it, when there's stress, there's a reason for it. And it doesn't necessarily always have to be channeled to look at, you know, as something we looked at it as something bad. How you respond to stress can really um, sort of change your 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 um, your overall just, you know, physical being. It's, you know, like we don't always have to have a negative response to stress. I believe that. That's something that should be trained. So change. So prioritize yourself. And that's every aspect of your life. Don't be afraid to say no. Don't because you can't do everything. But prioritize the things that are going to bring you dollars and cents that align with your goals, with your goals. That's what I would say. But it starts with prioritizing yourself. Hey, that's very good. And how can people get at you if they want to check you on social, if they want to ask you a question, if they want you to do some motivational speaking, you know? Who can yeah, you? so you can uh, send me an email at info at quandafrancis.com. All of my social media accounts are public. So you can also send a DM, someone from the team will respond to you. And then, uh, you know, we can, you know, set up, uh, I guess, a time to either speak or you know whatever that looks like because we you know they, um, but if for speaking engagements you know send the team an email I I love um, speaking to young women again you know just with me overcoming tremendous adversity I feel like it's important to always tell my story because everyone is going through a struggle everyone is going through stress but how we manage that stress right is is how we come out on top and um the goal is to always come out on top and how do you always come out on top 
you just learn something from the situation. You're always going to meet, you know, there's no, there's never a situation where you won't make mistakes, but think of mistakes as lessons. They're only technically really mistakes if you didn't learn anything from it. So every situation, good, bad, or indifferent, get something from it. Figure out if there was a way that you could have performed better, if you could have had a better outcome, and then that's the starting point. And that will be that will be your guiding point because you know that, okay, regardless of anything, you'll be a better person than you was the day before because you assessed, you were self-aware, you were mindful. And you know, that that's my um that's my hurrah with that. <laughs> hey, appreciate you, Kwanda. Thank you so much. Guys, there were a lot of gems dropped in this interview, so definitely take note. Thanks for watching. Thank you for coming. And uh hang on, we're gonna outro, then we're gonna talk right after. So don't go anywhere. Okay. All right. All right, bye guys. Bye.